Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing episode 8 of season 1 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds titled The Elysian Kingdom. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am intrigued, Clarence Brown, and I'll tell you why I am intrigued. Based on the short conversation the three of us had just before we started recording this, my interest is piqued about this episode, <laughs> so I cannot wait to get into this. Yeah, I hope we I hope we have something to say. I really do. But also the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I welcome ye to the. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> we are just grand, sire. We're just grand. So we did get some feedback from last week's Trek trivia. And John, can you refresh us on what the question was for last week's Trek trivia? I absolutely can. So last week's Trek trivia was during discussion and scripting. How did the TOS production crew refer to the Vulcan nerve pinch? And just for bonus points, who developed the idea for it? So once again, we got feedback in from Harold Connor saying, So the Vulcan nerve pinch was thought up by none other than the great Leonard Nimoy himself because he felt it was beneath the Spock character's dignity to simply knock someone out with a punch. And it was originally known as the famous Spock nerve pinch slash famous Spock hand pinch. So, John, does that correlate with your findings? It does. It does. Good job. So the production crew did, in fact, call it the famous Spock neck pinch or nerve pinch, but they even shorted it further with an acronym FSNP. So that's how it was written <laughs> in all the scripts. So it'll be something like Spock walks up behind the Gorn and FSNPs him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good job. Good job. I appreciate the feedback. Great research there. And we're going to get right into our review of Strange New Worlds, The Elysian Kingdom, which was written by Akila Cooper and Ornitra Johnson, while Amanda Rowe directed the episode. The Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness that traps the crew in a fairy tale. Alrighty, so if anyone listening has not seen this episode, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. Like always, we go to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode, sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us this week? All right. So bear with me. I have a, uh, I have something. So just bear with me. <laughs> I was looking forward to this. Is this a new stanza <laughs> in the fairy tale? Is this like, uh, you know, just an extension to what we've been seeing on the show? Did you write a book, sir? I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but maybe, you know, let's consider it. Reader's Digest condensed tablet version or something, or uh, Reader's Digest condensed Captain's Log. How about that? Let's get it. Once upon a time, in a faraway quadrant, there lived a medicinal king. But you see, I wanted to be clever. It was my endeavor. But at 7.45, as of this writing... (laughs) 
and I literally have no time to kill. So really, how can I be creative and mention Bill? A mind, a puddle, a nebula, or pond. Great stories are the same, no matter who or the where. I have five stars. Those are all in my eyes. I'm curious for you and for what you might say. But here's the thing that I really do know. Mr. Brown, it is time to get on with the show. The end. All right. A lot of meta going on there. Yeah. Done. Let's get your high-level thoughts of this episode. Mm. So, you know, some of my favorite episodes are always the holodeck episodes where our actors get to become totally different characters and just act out their their fantasy, I guess, roles. And they always do such a great job. This episode, we got to talk about. I can't wait to dive into it because I thought I just knew this was going to be your jam, man. I just knew it. But man, can't wait to hash it out. <laughs> Mr. Jones, a lot of Doctor Who references in your beats there. Do you have any additional thoughts to add before we get into more details of the episode? Mm, I felt like I had seen this premise told before in a different, completely contextually different way. But I wanted to point out that, in my opinion, great storytelling is similar, you know, and it can re be retold again in different ways. That said, I don't normally like the characters that I know dressing up in different outfits or different garb or whatever. Case in point, the episode of Picard where they do just that, not a holodeck, but they impersonate different characters. I remember, I think, saying I didn't like that, but I did like this. And Whoa. I'm curious, curious, curious to know what you guys say. What really? do you think, Mr. Brown? So I think I can sum mine up by saying that we, we got some feedback on, on Twitter, actually. Someone added us and said, at Discussing Trek, I have loved this show since the beginning, but let's be honest, last night's was a clunker. <laughs> 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 to which I replied to Lawrence Searle. Thank you for listening. And this, this is my reply that I wrote to him on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know about clunker, <laughs> but I get it. It's their Let's Have a Holodeck episode without a holodeck. Love the performances. Thought it was a very good story for Mbinga as well, but a very different overall feel. And um, I'm going to have to go back to John on this. He's been saying since the beginning, everything is a five unless I say otherwise. Oh, and, I just, <laughs> and I just thought <laughs> in the back of my head, oh, this is not going to be a five for him. This is the otherwise. <laughs> so, so, so I have a question before we go forward, because I don't want Jonathan to accidentally give a name. I mean, a number, because I think what I say or ask next might influence that just a little bit. So my, here I have a question for you guys. Have we seen the title of the book that has been read to the little girl throughout these first seven episodes. Have we seen the name before? Uh, I just assumed the name of was the Elysian Kingdom, but I, I don't you know, know. Now that I mean, you mentioned it, and the whole t whole the time the episode is kind of in the back of my head that I've seen Elysia, Elysia or Alicia, Alicia, Alicia. That's what I'm thinking of, but I can't put where I've heard that from so if indeed that we have let's assume for a moment 
for the sake of assuming that we have seen the title of this book before. If we have, this story has been hidden in plain sight throughout the entire first six episodes. True. Yeah, that would be the case. Yeah. Do you know wh- where I'm going with it? No, with that? help us out in here. We're, we're in the dark. <laughs> okay, no so, so maybe l- let me enlighten a little bit. What I found really cool is the, and this is why I'm saying it would have been hidden in plain sight. It's called the Elys- Elysian Kingdom. Well, that kind of rang a bell to me. And I was like, where have I heard that before? And Elysium is from Greek mythology, and it's also called the Elysian Fields. And in Greek mythology, originally, it is referred to as the paradise to which heroes on whom the gods conferred immortality were sent. Mm. So I just thought that that was really cool that they played in that name. And you kind of find out just from the name of that what happens to the little girl. So if we've seen the name of the book since Mm. the beginning, it was kind of like they were telling us how the little girl story was going to end. And I love that. Yeah, they did keep coming back to this book in this reading of the book throughout the season. Again, I have to give to them setting up things that get paid off throughout the season. They have just been excellent, excellent with that in this first season. But that being said, I have to say, this is not where I saw Rakaya's story ending at all. No. Especially since we got hints of the planet where, you know, there's no sickness. It just felt like we were going to get Mbinga doing his best Bones impression to actually fix this thing. And that's what I was really wanting because that's kind of the precedent that's been set from, you know, if you talk about, you know, Bashir or even uh, Crush or anybody, anybody in Trek's doctor's future, I guess. It's always them coming up with this brilliant solution to fix the problem. And I just thought that's what they were going. Yeah, it was kind of an, another burn moment for me. Like we built to a, a proposed solution and then it was nowhere near anything like I would have imagined. Kind of a letdown. But I mean, I'm happy for her and it works. But, you know, well, John, you've mentioned about how you love when these characters get a chance to do these holodeck episodes, which I do like most of the time. But I kind of drew the line at the um, uh, what's the Picard episode when he went to the casino planet. Yeah, I, I drew the line with that one because I did not love the performances there. To me, it was just too out of line. What do you think about the performances here in this holodeck-esque make-believe fantasy fairy tale storytelling in this episode? So bear with me because this is going to be kind of a long fleshed out thought. So, as I said up top, I've always loved the holodeck episodes because our characters, our actors get to be a different character. And I always praise the actors on their skill of being able to switch over to this other character and do such a great job in acting out that character. And I know it's not a lot of preparation time to get into it. Uh, and that's what I've just always liked. They were always fun. They were always lighthearted. Most of the time, there were some, there were some serious moments in some holodeck episodes. Now, that being said, this particular one, we're not in a holodeck. Yes, I get it. But I mean, we don't have a holodeck yet. So we had to come up with something better. I don't. Well, first, let me say this. <laughs> the acting seemed off to me and I don't want to say bad. I, I want to say off. I felt mm. like the acting could have been better. Now, In their defense, in their defense, 
they the acting was bad because it had to be bad because it's based off of a children's book. You said it had right? to be campy. Like, yeah, yeah. It had to be campy. It had to be. I mean, it couldn't be just like top notch acting because you're acting out a children's book. Now, that was in the defense of them. But playing devil's advocate of that, TNG Picard did it better in Cupid when they were all had to be the Robin Hood characters. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a merry man. <laughs> <laughs> they did a great job at it. Uh, so, I mean, it's um, maybe 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 it was like kind of just the story constraints that kind of kept the acting from being where it should be. Um, number one. Number two, I, I just don't feel like I don't know. It just it wasn't I guess. And the problem, it's a problem because the first six, seven episodes were so great. Like it, at some point you have to come down some. You have to give a break. Right. A filler episode. Yeah. Yeah. A filler episode. And and I say all of that and I still say this was not bad. I would watch it again. I would watch it again. But it's one of those I'm just not happy with. So and then the same thing as in, you know, those uh, Voyager episodes. Tom Paris did Captain uh, Proton. Proton. I love those. I, I mean, they were good. But like when I go back to watch Voyager again, I skip those. Oh, not no because chaotica for you. Uh, <laughs> Come on, I man. Mean, it was it's good, but it's like eh, I've seen it. You know, I yeah. I, I, I wasn't. It, I mean, it's good, but it's not like I want to sit down and watch Star Trek and watch that. I don't know how else to explain it. But anyway, that's my long fleshed out words of it. Uh, TNG did it better. Well, well I'm gonna throw it to Cal because I want to get his thoughts on the acting. But I will say that. For me, even when it came to reviewing this episode and write notes, I just didn't see myself having to write much of anything because the story was very simple. The story is very simple. But I think you just had to find the meat and potatoes in the performances, which I thought were good. Though campy, as you say, John, I thought they were pretty good. Cal, what did you think about the performances? Mm. So, Jonathan, let me preface by saying respectfully, so I'm just saying respectfully as broad as I can before I get started. And you you know you and I 85% agree on most things. This is in the 15% that we don't. <laughs> because I thought the acting was awesome. I loved the acting from the only one I, that I will say that did not quite fit as far as character goes is the role that number one played in this Robin Hoodish type character. But the simple fact of her character being out of the story made sense to me because it was out of the story's normal progression, which is key to the overall story to understand who and where the mind was that this story came from. Yeah. So even though she was off, quote unquote, she was on in context to the larger story. But specifically, Anson Mount, hands down, yes. comedic <laughs> yeah, timing, he killed it. It was awesome. The uh, character, uh, I can't remember her character. She's Khan's descendant or yeah. ancestor. Yeah, uh -huh. yes. Totally different from what we're expecting. Yes. The dog, her and the dog, I, I yes. loved. I thought that was hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. She she played that to a T. Did did I like some of the campiness of it? Not necessarily, but I liked 
the ending, and I know you guys kind of hit on the fact of expecting there to be a cure. And what I liked about it was, yes, I was expecting there to be a cure too. And it wasn't that the daughter, and I hope, Clarence, if I'm getting too far ahead, please stop me. But I liked the way the interaction between the father and the child happened because I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was unique. And I can't say anything bad about this episode. Let me table the ear for just a second because I do want to come back to that because I, I think we all have a lot to say in addition to what Kyle just said. But back on the performances again, I thought Anson Mount was incredible. Not what you would expect from him. No. <laughs> Seeing him as a stellar captain. Now you see him as the scared uh, hand of the king, I guess. <laughs> yes, his performance, like you said, Cal, Leon's performance, Christina Chong's performance as Princess Talia, even Yahira, Sissy LaRose Gooden's performances, I thought was I thought was good. I thought all of them were really solid. Now I didn't love number ones. I didn't love number ones, but you like you said, that was kind of just the character she was dealt because of the story reasons, but I didn't love her character. But all the rest of them, man, I just thought were funny and it and interesting and uh, yeah. You, I, you know, I had I, if I had to choose one that I dislike the most, it'll have been Yorora's character. Really? How so? I don't know. It just seemed very, very forced. Mm. I, like, like I almost could see like cue cards. Like you're oh, reading. No, off. no, 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 no. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just, maybe I'm not used to seeing her. I don't know. You know I, I think the thing was they put all of these. Well, let me just say this. It looked like the actors were having a ball shooting oh, this yeah. episode. <laughs> they let did have fun. That. And I will say they purposely chose to put each of the characters in the most awkward position they could be in for the most <laughs> part. Like you would have never expect Captain Pike to be like the scared <laughs> hand of the king or whatever. No. And and you would never expect the security officer to be singing a song with her dog, you know? Or Spock be a wizard. <laughs> that was the good. I love that. <laughs> so in that aspect, I thought they did great with where they placed everybody. To me, it was just uncomfortable enough for the actor's character, for the actual actor to have fun portraying somebody totally different, you know? So I, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, you hit, you said something that like, I, I don't often write a lot of notes, but I did make a note to bring up and it was like, it's just a comment. And my comment was number one, this was more of a filler episode, but like, I think it was, you know, how in school you used to have a free day, <laughs> you know, like this was the actor's free day. Like they just got to, like you just said earlier, they got to have fun. And that definitely, shine through this entire episode so i don't want to take away from that they had a great time doing it like the smiles on their faces were genuine smiles they were these were not acting smiles like when yeah. they would especially when uh captain pike was going through his little scared antics that he i guess the script writer <laughs> wrote like you could see everybody just kind of holding back a smile not to laugh so. yeah I, I, I for sure they had fun. I just, I don't know. It's just, it was a bit off for me. And of course, Dr. Aminga foreshadows at the very beginning of this episode of how he wants her and Rakia to, to write her own story. And we get this story where some of the things don't line up and we get to the end where, oh, it's this entity that we've, this nebula that we're in 
that somehow through spontaneous combustion, I forgot what Hammer called it, he had a scientific word for it. It, <laughs> it gained sentience and went into the ship and created this recreation based on Rakia's thoughts and, and memories of, of this book and wanting to to write her own story as her dad foreshadowed at the very beginning of the episode. Did we see any of that coming? Can I just say this? And I'm sure I've said it before on this, on one of our episodes. Why do uh, we as Starfleet Federation, like, have we not learned? We just don't fly into nebula. <laughs> there is never anything good in a nebula. Well, Hey, we were, <laughs> we were doing science as Pike said at the very beginning. <laughs> I wish we didn't have to shoot. Pew pew, and we could just sit here and do science. <laughs> he was happy. He was, but golly, well, which okay, there they hadn't been gone far enough into into the timeline yet. But like you, so you would think we can get to Voyager and TNG. Like we should know there's enough history of Nebulous that something <laughs> bad is going to happen. And I kind of felt that, like I just knew there was something in this Nebula that was going to cause an issue. Uh, but I had no idea they were going to go this way with it. So that was that was good. Good twist. So let's get some further thoughts on the actual resolution of what's going on. Cal, you mentioned it earlier. Earlier, Rakia is 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 actually helping aid this entity in this illusion, and they become friends. And the entity is able to help his dying daughter, and he lets her go. Mm. I, that mm, I, I don't know I, if that said well with me. I don't see. And again, I'm coming at this from a person who does not have children. So m- maybe my view is a little bit off, for lack of a better word. That said, I think he as a human or as a not. I won't say as a father because I don't. I'm not a father. So, but I think he as a human realized the limitations and that maybe chances and that maybe there was a chance that he could come up with a cure that would save her. But he made reference over and over about the degradation of the buffer and what would happen and so forth. And he let her make a decision. And I know she's a child and I know the argument to counter what I just said was, can a child make that decision? I think he as a human being saw in that moment, here is a chance for her to escape what is in most likelihood an end. And yeah. that's that's the way I took it. And I'll be brutally honest with you. It made me tear up. I didn't cry, but it made me tear <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah, I was, I was shocked and sad all at the same time. Really was. Yeah, I can't say I, I necessarily disagreed with his decision but um with you like it, it was a shock to say the least and like in my mind i'm like no there got to be some other way and i'm sure in his mind he's doing the same saying the same thing but i mean honestly there isn't another way but i think what would have made this a little better and i know it's kind of mm, i don't know it'd be a cookie cutter approach to it but like there was some kind of mention of him being able to see her interact with her again at some point. Yeah. And I wish they would have brought it up in the episode because for me, I would have been like, Oh, Captain Pike, can I have a shuttle to just stay here until I can come to grips with this myself before I leave? But mm, think about it. He can always come back to the nebula though, which is interesting. And 
we've kind of established that she's kind of a god now. Mm, yeah. She can live forever. Um, you know, she said time passes differently for her. And the what I liked about it, well, let me say what I would not have liked. I don't think I would have liked this episode as nearly as much as I did had she not miraculously appeared seconds later as an adult and said yeah. that X number of years have happened and this is what's happened and this is what I've done, et cetera, and so forth. I think if you would have just left the viewer with nothing but the child disappearing, I think that would have been hollow and almost cruel. Yeah. But seeing the results of his, and I'm not going to say his decision, his choice to allow her to make the decision, he saw the fruits of that decision. And I think that gave some closure. And I think we'll see her again. You know what would have gave me some better closure? And I'll tell you who did this very well. So similar situation with Captain Sisko at the end of DS9. He went to be with the prophets to finish his uh, journey. Mm. And I mean, for all intent purposes, like they're just considering him gone. But as he's told, what's the lady's name? His wife. I forgot her name. Anyway, as he told her, you know, it's she like, will you come back? And he said, I don't know uh, if I do. I may maybe. And she's like, when? And he's like, well. Time is different with the prophets. Yeah. He said I, it could be tomorrow. It could be a year from now. It could be yesterday. And that's just kind of how it ends. So in the back of your head, it's like, it's a chance he can come back. Not even though that see the show never picked up again, but that just gave me a better closure because it's a what if and not a definite. And uh, are you talking about Cassidy or his first wife? Cassidy. Yeah. Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah. Just watch John Orville, by the way. But yes, yeah, it's. I feel like it's a it's it's a fitting set in for his daughter. You know, we didn't see a lot of her throughout the season, but obviously very instrumental to uh, Mbinga's character. I don't know if I like this as being Mbinga slash Himmer's episode because I would have wanted to know more about him than I guess that's the hook that we have for him. That was his secret, his daughter. So hopefully now we can get to learn more about him as a person i guess well that was going to be another thought that they're actually strange new worlds uh they're doing a lot better like these individual storylines they're kind of closing them so we're not like tied to it the rest of the show Mm. so you know discovery picard like you you like especially picard we had so many individual character developments going on and we were steadily trying to follow these through to the end and then connect them all. But in this case, like, you know, we can't just keep because, I mean, if she stays in the buffer, like everything, when you see Dr. Omega's character, everything is going to be kind of around yeah, that. So, that defines you know, him. yeah, right. So now, now the next place we go, he's maybe medical technology is involved. We're thinking, oh, he's going to steal it for his daughter or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So now it like frees up. It clears out the buffer, if you say. <laughs> so like to it, speak. It, yeah, so to speak. It, it frees up storyline for him to, as you say, go in a different direction and maybe flesh out his character a little more. So I get it and I appreciate it and that we don't have to follow a storyline. So, Jonathan, we're back in the 85% now. So I'm 100% <laughs> agreeing with you. And I will add to that. I think this showed... A human side of him, meaning you, you use this story to present 
him as being more than just a doctor, but yeah. they then, you know, gave this a closure, like you just said. And I agree, this is going to open up. You've had this, you know what happened, you've seen him, his, you know, his, his love for his daughter, his love for his family, et cetera, and so forth. Now he can go and do whatever for the next two episodes and for next season. Yeah, and he right. got and he got to be a king, which is really cool, you know, even if it is in this fairy tale made up story. Uh and I will mention too that we did see because of what he was doing to help his daughter, he was neglecting some of his duties as the chief medical officer at the very beginning of the episode. So that was interesting to see. And also I have to say this, I thought that when he had that little explosion of the experiment at the very beginning, I thought that was going to be what puts us in this make-believe world. And I'm so glad it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, I think that would have been a trope that we've seen time and time again. And they, you know, threw that red herring out there. And then we all took it. I thought the same thing. But then it was something else. So just to mention what Himmer brought up, and I want us to discuss Himmer just real quick in this episode, but he brought up the Bozeman brain, which was a theoretical, spontaneously generated consciousness, an intelligent mind without a physical body. So that's what he proposed what was going on. Of course, he was right. That's kind of what happened. (laughs) To that end, Cal, you mentioned that we may see Rikia again. Thoughts on that? I mean, uh, you think we're going to see her in a few episodes down the line or come back as helping the ship? Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Can you flesh it out a little bit for us? I think we will see her when we least expect to see her. Mm. Or, we, huh. you know, she may be their cue. Oh. Did I read that somewhere? <laughs> Seems like I read somewhere where somebody was saying this could be the birth of the cues or something like that. And it may well be. I mean, we don't, you know, and I was just kind of being coy Thereby saying she may be their cue, but she might be their cue. <laughs> but it's interesting to see that we get to, for all intents and purposes, see like the birth of a of a godlike figure. I thought this that was really interesting as well. It'd be nice to see her cross over into one of the other series, maybe mm. into Discovery somehow. Or, I mean, I guess it would it would be nice just to see her. I don't know that I would want a return because again, we just talked about how we kind of end it a storyline let's not bring it back into play i think she would only make sense in the context of him true because we don't really and i get your point i, I love seeing actors are the, the actors characters those characters appear on you know crossover into other shows i love that but i don't think for her particularly it would really matter or to the audience, not not necessarily to the story, but to the audience, because we don't have any emotional ties to her, especially as an adult. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call it Mbinga before he dies is going to go off to live out the rest of his life with his daughter in some nebula. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> that. That actually crossed my mind. Like, it, you know, it's once bones take over and he's gone, like maybe that's the story. He his ending of his story. So that would be cool. What did you guys think about Himmer in this episode? Loved him. In his his pursuit of science's magic or whatever he was doing. (laughs) Abracadabra, whatever he had going on. But it was kind of like proof in that old saying, like any sufficiently advanced technology, or in this case science, can seem like magic to others that's not familiar with it. A hundred percent agree. Yeah, he just proved that. I loved it. I loved it. 
And his acting was pretty good, too. Yeah, he was another one that felt like they were having so much fun doing this episode. Uh, Although I think his character is always vocal and almost not funny, but fun most of the time. Yeah. But in this in this episode, it felt like he just, you know, had a ball. And that was (laughs) that was cool to see him play around with science and have fun with it. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say his character is cool and funny because he always seems to try to come across as grumpy. Yeah. Well, he's fun with Spock. He's fun with certain people, but True. Not, definitely not with Yahira. Um, and that's about all I've seen him act, interact with. <laughs> and that's, you know, probably because it's someone that matches his intellect so he can have fun with them. Well, let's go ahead and get ratings for this episode. And Cal Jones, I'm going to start with you. What do you rate this one, sir? I'm going to give this five stars out wow. of five. Wow. Okay. And I have. And I'm giving five stars, A, because I like it, and B, because I like this episode and I have a feeling the other two are going to be less <laughs> than five stars. So five stars for me. Oh, man. I think I'm going to give this hmm, 4.0 out of five. Four out of five. I I thought it was really good, but if you're rating it next to the other episodes, for my personal taste, I didn't like it as much. To me, it was a good filler because we didn't really do any space stuff or or ship-specific stuff. I guess you could say technically we were in a nebula, so there's that. <laughs> but I do feel like it was a good end for Ambiga's daughter's storyline. And uh, I do think, even though I thought for a episode for Ambiga, I wanted more. I do think it still was a pretty good episode for him. You know, he got to be king. So there you go. Four out of five for me. What about you, John? <sighs> so I hope you're sitting down. Uh-oh. Uh, I'm going to have to go. It, You know, originally, before I talked to you guys, I had a lower rating in mind. Mm. You guys talked me up a little bit uh, because, you know, I wasn't really thinking about the acting that we did the good acting we did have and captain pike's character in this one you actually i don't want to say was forgettable but like it just didn't cross my mind in thinking about my review but when you guys spoke of him i was thinking back on this particular storyline he had and like he really did do a great job with it so that and you guys also made me realize how much fun that i think the cast had with this episode uh, so all that, I'm going to have to say three, five, three point five, three point five. All right. So that's a five from California from me and a three point five from John. A far cry from his <laughs> all five. <laughs> <videos>. <laughs> uh, insert foot. <laughs> oh, well, guys, listen, I want to know what you. Yeah. You listening. What did you think of this episode? If you have thoughts, talk us down. Where, where are we wrong here? Help us out. You can send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias, as some people have done before. And we really thank you for chiming in. And you can also use those outlets to respond to Trek trivia. John, what do you have for us this week? All right. So as everyone knows or probably know, when we want to know anything Trek related, most of us, including most of the writing staff for Star Trek Discovery, refer back to Memory Alpha website. 
other writers from other Trek series has also mentioned that they have referred to Memory Alpha for some context information uh, on whatever particular episode they were working on. So we must give some appreciation to the creators of Memory Alpha, one Mr. Harry Dottama and Dan Carlson, for creating this awesome wiki research platform for all things Trek. Thanks, guys. Thank you. There is also one more person that is probably more important in the actions that gave us Memory Alpha. Who is this well-known PBS personality that is responsible for Memory Alpha? Hmm. PBS personality. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Bob Ross, is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I kid. (laughs) It's Oscar the Grouch. No. Oh. <laughs> Y'all gonna have to dig for this one. Hmm. Is he responsible responsible for the platform? Because I think Memory Alpha is a part of a bigger fandom platform. Well, it is. It's part of it's part of the fandom, but the the idea, the name for the platform, and all was formed because of this certain person. Hmm. And I'll give you another hint. This person co-wrote an episode of Trick. PBS personality that co-wrote an episode of Trick. All right. Well, um, if you know that, (laughs) (laughs) what PBS personality was instrumental in the naming and founding of Memory Alpha? Correct. And also that person wrote or co-wrote an episode of Trick. If you have that, of course, you can hit all the outlets we mentioned previously. And thank you all for joining. We really appreciate it. And thanks for this question, John. It's, it's, it sounds like a good one. Yes, sir. All right, guys. And also, I encourage you to check out the Discussing Who podcast where we recently published an episode. What is the title, Kyle? Don't help me out here. Uh, that would be episode number 278, I do believe. And it was the never-ending trek through time and space. Hmm. All righty. That's going to wrap it up for us, guys. We appreciate you joining. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.